These are your morning announcements. The Retro Club will be meeting today to discuss Silver Bullet and a reminder that the new curfew takes place today at 5 p.m. Hello, and welcome to the Retro Club. We're your hosts, John. And Megan. And we're back. Mm-hmm. And better than ever. Right, Meg? I guess. I'm all right. Pop Pop's got a little bit of back pain. But oh, oh, Coming no. through it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm at my peak right now. No, maybe not. <laughs> what do you mean by peak? This is as good as I get. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Yeah. My body is built of just nothing. Peanut brittle? Peanut brittle and like mashed potatoes. No <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Peanut butt brittle bones. Can't even talk. I know. I'm just I'm falling apart over here. Mush mouth over there. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, what's going on in the world? What's new? Well, we just uh, had Easter. Yes, we had a really good Easter. Mm-hmm. I had a good Easter at least. I hope you did. I did because Jordan did. <laughs> Yeah, Jordan had a great Easter. Kind of Easter was kind of just about her, honestly. Oh Lord, across yeah. the board, she got three Easter baskets. <laughs> yeah, she was she's so precious. Got to do a little Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. She won money. Yeah, she did. That Go Megan ahead. immediately tried to spend. No, I did not. <laughs> how how so? What were we doing? Uh, I thought you said I can just use Jordan's money. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> I was going to pay it back, but I don't remember what it oh, was. Oh, okay. So I'm calling you out. <laughs> I think we stopped for drinks. We were going to get yeah. a drink or something. It was going to be like $2. I know. I'm like, don't you dare. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Easter was fun. Uh, it's not one of my favorite holidays, but I was happy seeing Jordan happy. So I was too. I, I had a lot of fun. It wasn't really hot. I think it's one of the funner times for family. Yeah. I mean, religious aspect aside. Who doesn't want to see a rabbit trying to lay eggs around your yard? You know what I mean? I guess. <laughs> um, on a more serious note, it was like a weird thing that happened in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, very sad. Very tragic. So both of us work in banking, so it is kind of like a, yeah. a scary thing. But there was a guy, a, a former employee, who went and shot and killed four people and injured I don't remember how many others, yeah. eight or nine others or something like that. That's it's it's a rough thing to go through. I feel bad for all those people and their families. I mean, working in banking every year, we have to do training and they tell you the signs to look for if someone is upset or aggressive. Um, and really, it's it seems like it should be obvious when I do the trainings. I'm like. I just, it would you don't be know obvious going to someone's head. Yeah, but it's not. It really isn't. It's not. No. Also, uh, I'm going to shout out somebody I work with, Coletta. Okay. Uh, she taught me today that Judy, or Judge Judy has a huge badonkadonk. What? <laughs> yes. I, this you're is... surprised, correct? And it's natural. Uh, why she is... Show, I don't know what made her show me it, but she showed me it, and I was kind of blown away. I was like, Judge Judy, no wonder she sets up so high. 
this is pertinent information. Isn't it? Like, like I was so blown away. I was like trying to come up with nicknames. She called her, uh, what'd she call her? Big Booty Judy. I said, how about just Judge Booty? Um, okay. I I don't know what to do with this information, but thank you for sharing. I had to. All right. Well, um. (laughs) Oh, one one last guy. I'm going to shout out, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite content creators. I follow him on his Facebook page and his YouTube. His name is PokeRev. If you like to watch people pull Pokemon cards and get excited, this dude is hilarious. He's really Mm -hmm. cool. So I hope everybody checks him out. Okay. Is that all we have? That's all. I don't know why you're talking to me like British. I don't, I don't know. Is that all we have? I don't know. (laughs) I'm feeling weird. I'm feeling weird because this week's episode is a... It's a goodie. It's a weird one. (laughs) A weird one? Yeah, this week we're covering Silver Bullet. Man, if there's ever a movie I could bring up with the people that I'm close with, this is it. I'm going to shout out Matt on this one, too. Mm-hmm. Me and Matt have talked in detail about this movie. Matt even named his damn Jeep after the movie. The Silver Bullet. He even put the werewolf on it. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Unique. Yep. This is a uh, Stephen Antony. King. Yeah. It's a Stephen King retelling or... Uh, it's uh, a novelization put to film. A novel put to film. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I only say that because it's barely a novel it's like one of his shortest stories that he's written yeah it's it's a short story kind of like uh what is it secret window yeah it was a, it's based off a short story i mean even in the very beginning it it puts on the screen that it's a noveletta noveletta mm-hmm. so even shorter than a novella i guess i don't know i had never heard of a noveletta but sure anyway this movie it came out on my birthday october yeah. 11th 1985, 1985. exciting wow yeah, it's rated R, and it's described as a horror teen movie. Teen? Yeah, horror slash teen. Okay, yeah. All right, that's fine. Which makes sense. I mean, the movie's it. based around the two <laughs> kids. I guess they're, I guess, teen, preteen? Yeah. They were, because it, it starts off by saying that he's 11 and she's 14, or I think. Yeah. Uh, I can give it a quick synopsis, and then we can jump into numbers and cast. Absolutely. Okay, here's uh, here's what it says about the movie. When a series of unexplained murders occurs in the normally quiet town of Ta- Tarker's Mill, the residents decide to hunt down the killer. However, many of these vigilantes end up dead, and those who don't are no closer to finding an assailant. But when a young wheelchair-using boy named Marty encounters a werewolf one night, the pieces begin to come together. Along with his sister and Uncle Red, Marty begins a mission to capture the werewolf once and for all. This is like the second movie in 1985 that had Marty as a main character. Back to the Future. Oh, I thought you meant like what we had covered. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other big one, I would say. Yeah, this, this movie, I, there's not enough you can say about it. If you like werewolf movies, I think this is one uh, a must-watch for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go into some casting, if that's okay. Then I'll get into the, the yeah. funding and stuff. So as far as cast goes, you have Gary Busey. Crazy-ass Gary Busey. Yeah. And this is right around the time he's he's right into his crazy phase. Like, he's uh, obviously put on a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And they put him in the perfect role. He's just the, the alcoholic drunk. 
that's a, happens to be their uncle. That's kind of a, a redundant alcoholic drunk. Oh, I think I was meaning to say something else, and I think I, I cut out because I was like, man, I, I don't think that's PC. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he's alcoholic uncle. Yeah. Uh, Everett McGill, who plays Reverend Lowe. Uh, I really don't remember a whole lot with him. Um, oh, wait, he, he was in People Under the Stairs. If people have seen that or uh, License to Kill, he's in both of those. As he the bad guy. looks familiar, but yeah, I can't really place him. In any movies. He's got the perfect look for a bad guy, though. Yeah. And obviously, Corey Haim, Rip. Yeah. One of my uh, more favorite actors from that time frame. Mm-hmm. He plays Marty. Megan uh, Follows, who plays the sister. I she plays Jane. Yes. Janie. Janie. I oh. don't remember her from anything else. I think she was more of like a person that did... Like TV movies? Made for TV. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about that too because this movie gave off that vibe. (laughs) Yeah. She's, um, what am I trying to say here? She's a really big, like, humanitarian. I've just found that out. But, you know. Well. Do what you do. Good for her. (laughs) Oh, Terry Terry O'Quinn, who uh, we've known him for a lot of stuff. He was in The Stepfather and Stepfather 2. He got real famous for being on the show Lost. He plays the sheriff. Oh, I didn't get into Lost. Oh. Well, oh, you mean he plays the sheriff in this? Yes. Okay. But there's something else he was in that I'm definitely mis- misremembering. Oh, he was in Young Guns. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well. He's in some of my favorite movies and some really bad movies. Like he's in one of those really bad Amityville movies. Mm-hmm. What, which one was it? Let me. I have to know. Because I definitely remember him being in one. Amityville, A New Generation. Okay. Boom. Uh, were there really any other notable cast? I wouldn't think so. Um, the only one I remember really is the train conductor. That's because he was the he was the skipper in Major League. Oh, Ricky, give him the heater, that guy. He's only in it for like two minutes. Doesn't matter. His voices last a lifetime. Okay. Uh, yeah, the rest of the cast is not, like, super notable. I mean, there's uh, Herb, who, lo- it he's the father of one of the kids, Brady. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got a, a decent part in it. Um, but really, yeah, the rest of the cast is just kind of secondary. I could agree with that. Um, I think the movie was meant to be based around the key figures in this movie, and they didn't want anybody else too powerful to take over any lines right a lot of uh very unknown people in this mm-hmm. although this movie is credited as being directed by dan atias mm-hmm. but i've heard a lot of people say that don coscarelli who some of you if you've ever seen the phantasm movie know that he was the director and he's a very good director he is the one that i've heard really directed this movie which makes a lot of sense to me and I will go into that later. Yeah. Um, well, how much did it cost? What was the budget of this movie? Okay. Um, the budget was $7 million. That's like the werewolf. Uh-huh. You can't make a werewolf for $7 million. <laughs> I mean... Not, not like a practical effects werewolf like that. Yeah. And, and then it's box office made 
about twelve million. Hey, man, it's money back. I mean, that's in for the world. It made five million in the U.S. Okay, well, <laughs> this movie has a running time of ninety-five minutes, which is mwah. yeah, right there. Yeah, that's where I want it to be. Oh, the book it's based off of is uh, if anybody wants to read it, is Cycle of the Werewolf, mm-hmm. the story. Yes, and that's what that's the. It's apparently a shorter Stephen King book. Right. So if you're familiar with Stephen King's work, you can know he, he you may be aware that he can get wordy. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, this one isn't going to be as lengthy as his other works. I also really need to go into the reason why I think this movie did so bad real quick. It opened against movies that were really big for its time. Uh, Commando. It's one of those Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that really launched him. Mm-hmm. Um, you had... This movie, Jagged Edge, I can't remember it that well, but I remember it being a big deal. Back to the Future was still in theaters and still like high in the top ten. Okay. Uh, it also had to compete against like Better Off Dead and Teen Wolf, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, all these movies that... Two werewolf movies? Isn't that crazy? Hmm. Teen Wolf was already out. We we haven't covered Teen Wolf. No, but that's that's high on my list. Oh, in Rambo First Blood Part 2, which was an, a phenomenon, it was still in theaters. So this movie was bound not to make its money. I guess, yeah. Well, you want to go ahead and jump into the actual movie, or did you have anything else to cover Cover mm, about the movie? Not really. It's just another movie by Paramount, which we like Paramount. That's mm-hmm. where the Friday the 13th films come from. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to start the movie off or you want to start the story off? Um, I'll go ahead and start us off. So the movie opens with, it's the sister is narrating the movie. It's Jane. Which, how do you feel about that? I think that really helps the movie. I love her voice. I do like her voice, but I thought it was kind of, it didn't, her narration only happens like three times in the movie. Because I think really she was just trying to give you key elements and then it returns back to the actual story yeah she pops up in the very beginning it starts with her a voiceover she shows up in the middle when things start to take a turn Mm -hmm. and then she shows up at the end her her narration does yes so that's i mean i guess that's all you really need her for anyway because the story's already being told through actions and characters but like you said i think she showed up in parts where it was really needed yeah, just to, um, yeah, we'll we'll get to the parts that it happens, but okay. she opens up by saying it's the spring of 1976, so it's uh, nine years prior, prior to this release, which her voice sounds a lot older than 23, <laughs> but I could be wrong. I Damn. don't know. I thought she was a lot. Yeah, I thought she would have been like or twenty four. Elder, she was fifteen. Yeah, if this was nineteen seven. I mean, I guess we're, they're not saying how far in the future she's narrating. That's true. It could be, even though it was released in eighty five, it could she could be narrating this in the nineties thousands. Right, we she could know. just be an old woman at this point. Yeah. So she says it's the spring of nineteen seventy six. It was the last full moon before school gets out, mm-hmm. and that's when she states that she this summer she was fifteen and Marty was eleven. Um, and it cuts to the railroad worker, which you were talking about a moment ago, 
and he's drinking on the job and driving this little like cart down the the track. He also doesn't have his mustache. What a loss. <laughs> but he ends up hearing uh, something off the near the tracks. He thinks that somebody's messing around on the train tracks. So he goes to check it out and uh, gets his head lobbed off. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. Just immediately. This is how the movie opens. Dude gets his head chopped off. Hot, hot opening. Next morning or, you know, the sun comes up. People find his body, but no one suspected any type of foul play because he was a drunk. And, and they, a railroad worker, you're bound to have all kinds of crazy accidents. Yeah, they assume he probably fell drunk and got ran over mm-hmm. by a train. So she does in the narration, she says that was the start of the killings that summer, but nobody knew it. Yeah, so nobody I don't know suspected if, anything. I don't know if they ever went back in time and they're like, hey, I bet that dude was killed by the right. by a werewolf. You know something someone said to me one time? Mm-hmm. Someone said that, I'm trying to think of when this was, I was still in school. They were talking about how you shouldn't go up and play near railroad tracks when the trains are coming by because the underneath cable can snap. Oh, yeah. So he could have got his head lopped off. So I always thought that or like rocks. I was always afraid rocks would kick up Mm -hmm. or the railroad spikes could come out. I just had like irrational fears of trains. (laughs) Not It wasn't really irrational. No, I was like scared to be near a train. I lived close to train tracks. and Yeah, same. It was not, not a good good time when you heard him coming. One ran directly through my grandma's backyard. You got to see that yeah. house. Uh, I mean, not just a few yards away. Just there's a train track run, <laughs> running through her backyard. And man, I could sleep through a train. I, I It know. did not phase me. Nope. You Close to the honeysuckle, right? Yeah. In the yard? Yeah, she had honeysuckle bushes and blackberry bushes. Wonderful. Awesome. Very. What a summer. <laughs> what a summer. <laughs> okay. Back to the... So you have the um, this very jarring opening of this guy getting his head cut off. And then it cuts to this really nice town square. They're having like a celebration, some type of picnic Festival. thing going on. Yeah. It's just small town, small mm-hmm. town thing going on. Really cute small town too. I really like the setup of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can tell everybody knows each other. It's very friendly. Kind of reminds me of my hometown. Yeah, they're doing like a potluck carry, bake sale thing. I don't know. It was all sorts of cute stuff. Kids are playing, riding bikes. There's balloons. Mm-hmm. And they have a stage set up, and this is where you first get to see Revan Lowe uh, address the, the audience. I don't even remember what he's talking about. It seems pretty just chill whatever's yeah, happening Reverend Lowe really has a presence to him too right off the bat mm-hmm. he's very he's very uh how do I say he's very got he has like a stern stance yeah very straight up and down well Janie so now we have 15 year old Janie mm-hmm. she's sitting in the audience with her parents and she's like I don't want to hang out for this yeah I'm done <laughs> so she tells him she's gonna peace out and they're like <laughs> Well, go take care of your brother. Make sure you take care of Marty. And you can tell she's she's very bitter about it. She's essentially her brother's keeper because you find out as soon as you see Marty, he is paraplegic. Yeah, and she kind of holds it against him that he's the way he is. I think it's more so she holds it against her parents for... Always putting her in charge. putting all that pressure on her to take care of him. But he has no use of his legs, so he's in a wheelchair. Right. And... um. They expect her to just 
take care of him and be, look out for him. Like that's their job. That's the parents' job. Personally, I feel like also they need to realize he's becoming a teenager. So he's going to want to hang out with his friends and stuff too. You can't just treat him like he's incapable of doing anything. Like a baby. Yeah. So um, it cuts to Marty and he is hanging out, playing around the town square with his friend Brady. Brady's climbed up into a tree and he's found like a garter Garden snake. snake. And so Janie walks up to, to find Marty to see where he's gone to. <laughs> what are you doing, you turd? <laughs> she calls him Booger a lot. I'm just, I'm thinking of the sister from South Park. Turd! <laughs> Stop. That's so loud. Um, <laughs> but she goes to find Marty and Brady drops the snake in the tree in her face. And she screams Drops. and falls backwards and ends up ripping her pantyhose because she's wearing like a skirt. She's dressed she up. She falls into the mud, doesn't she? She falls and scrapes up her stuff first, her, her Oh, knees. her brand new pantyhose that she mm-hmm. got to impress that boy. And Marty was like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. But Brady doesn't know how when to end a joke. And he ends up right tossing her. the snake at her. And that's when she falls back into a mud puddle. And you could tell Marty genuinely felt terrible. He did. He's a good kid. He's a... Deep down, he's a good kid. She's still upset, though. She cries and storms off and tells him, I hate you. Like, mm-hmm. And he's trying to say he's sorry, but like... It was just a joke. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was just a joke. Mm-hmm. But... Were you ever mean to your siblings? Did you ever play I was mean, too, and I was mean. <laughs> Do you remember... Have I ever told you the story of when... Only the uh, strong survive when you have multiple siblings. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, one of my younger brothers, there was this one time we were home alone and the house was just dark. We were watching TV. Mm-hmm. I think we just finished watching a scary movie and I went to went to go pee. Uh-huh. And I was hiding in between uh, two of the doorways. Mm-hmm. I went for my brother to come around the corner. I jumped out and scared him. Mm-hmm. He, you know how in Scooby-Doo when they do the jump up in the air and then are running in air and uh-huh. then turn around? He did that. Oh, God. Before his feet ever hit the ground. <laughs> he jumped. Feet were moving, turned around, still moving, and then hit the ground, and then he took off. Oh, Lord. We talk about that still to this day. Yeah, my siblings were me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just don't remember any particular pranks, but... I'm sure. I'm sure you had a couple. Probably. All right, so Janie runs off. She's crying. She's covered in mud. Her pantyhose are ripped up. She's ticked off. And she ends up hiding in this, like, bush thing to, to cry, And she overhears a conversation. And I only bring this part up. It's very quick. But it does come back here in a little bit. But she's hiding in the bush crying. And she catches a conversation between this man and a woman. Where the woman is freaking out. And she's telling this guy she's pregnant. Adultery, yeah. It's it's his baby. And he's like, it's not my baby. I'm not taking care of that thing. And he ends up leaving her. And this woman starts crying. How do you know it's mine? Yeah, and she's like, it has to be yours. I've only been with you. And he's like, nope, not my kid. Peace Tragic out. Tragic tales the oldest time, right? And he ends up walking away and leaving this woman crying on a bench. And Janie knows, like, she probably shouldn't have eavesdropped, but she did. And she heard this conversation. Well, she wasn't meaning to, but the but conversation obviously was going to play a key role into something happening soon. Right. We wouldn't have listened into that conversation if it didn't if it didn't come back. So Janie and her family, uh, they end up getting in the car and heading home. And even when they get home, the parents get out of the car and they start walking up to the house and they're like, oh, Janie, don't forget 
to get your brother, get his wheelchair, get him yep. in the house. And it's like, what do you guys do? What what do you even do to help him? And that that house had a re, insanely long ramp on it, didn't it? Yeah. Like it was just unbelievably long for mm-hmm. a ramp. Well, because you don't want it to be really steep, you want him to be able. Yeah, to but get it doesn't it. have to be like double the length of the house. <laughs> well, and what's even worse is even on the drive home. Jane is trying to tell her parents about what happened with the snake and how they ruined her outfit. Right. And they're like, leave Marty alone. Like it's her fault. And the the parents come off like overly phased by what's happened with Marty. Yeah. You know, like somewhere deep down, they have like a responsible like feeling, I guess. Well, Marty ends up going into her room later. She's laying in bed asleep and he walks in and puts some money on her nightstand and she wakes up and asks him what he's doing. And he says he's giving her money so she can buy new pantyhose. He felt bad. Mm-hmm. So they end up apologizing. Like she can't stay in that. Insanely at cheap too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like, I only need a dollar 49. How much that, how, how, how angry did that make you? Um, I mean, it's pretty sad. And the way she said it, she's like, $1.49 will get me a pair of legs at the drugstore. Uh-huh. Who says that anymore? A pair of legs. I think you should bring it back. Wasn't that the brand, Legs? Is that the one that was in the egg? It came in the egg. Yeah, I think so. I never. I mean, I didn't live through that, but I I know that is a thing. Right. <laughs> so. I, know that, I know they all came in the egg. I remember when my sisters used to crack them things open. Yeah. It's re- I always thought that was really cool, but I didn't know why they had pantyhose that came out of them. I kind of disappointing. <laughs> kind of waiting for like candy and shit. No and- candy, no money. Right, you knew where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the pregnant woman comes back into play. Mm-hmm. So now she's here. Um not good. She's obviously very upset about this guy leaving her and she's uh has a pill bottle and she's dumping out all these pills onto a tray and um final she's, solution yeah she's come up to she's going to um kill herself she even says yes. that she's like talking to herself and there's an old woman downstairs playing piano at the same time what's uh, kind of weird i guess it's the mother maybe I, I think it's her mom i don't know or if it's like a a half a uh, halfway house for women or something i don't know whatever it is but she's upstairs she's crying and she even makes some comment about like suicides go to hell or something mm-hmm. she wrote it in a note yeah a, a, a suicide note but she goes to take all these pills. You notice how red those pills were? Yeah, they're they bright really, red. They really stood out. I don't know what they were. Probably vitamin D. But <laughs> no, I don't Gonna know. Have That's really, not really, really, really good immune system before she goes. That is not funny, y'all. <laughs> and this is very serious. But she doesn't get to finish her plan because while she's taking the pills, something busts through the wall. Not the window, the wall of mm-hmm. this house. And it's on the second, on the second floor. floor. So it would have had to go up the... Uh, the on houses, there used to be like climbing rose bushes. Yeah, that had like these wooden slats on them. Yeah, have you seen Greece? That's it. right, it's right like in Greece, the thing that uh, Rizzo climbs down. Yeah, but um, so something jumps through the the wall and God ends up tearing Christ. this woman to shreds, literally. And this freaking old lady downstairs hears the screaming, hears the commotion, and just takes her sweet time looking around for a gun like instead of just running up the stairs she's like oh well let me find a weapon which i mean i guess but i would describe uh, the first thing honestly the old woman had, kind of had the right idea i would beat someone with an umbrella okay if that was the closest thing to me and the noises <laughs> coming out of there were really animalistic really yeah i know and i only think he like bit her to death and nothing like that didn't he like strangle her 
I don't remember. I just know he tore her up is yeah. what he did. Because when she opened, again, you get this like, you go from a really gruesome scene to wholesome family fun. Right. Back to gruesome because the old lady opens up the bedroom door and finds this woman on the bed in a pool of blood. And, and we get the, the typical horror movie scream. Yes. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Gotta have the three scream in it. Yes. <laughs> So it cuts to the police. You get to meet the two mm-hmm. police in this town. The sheriff and his deputy. Because it's deputy. a it's a small town. I mean, stuff like this doesn't happen. And you kind of get a feel for them and they're just meh. They're just there. You find out they're small town police. Right. And this is also the deputy, he's built like a football player. I thought he was I he might not be, but he just he looks like a football player. Got a mm-hmm. face for it. Well, it is the last day of school now, right. and um, Marty is, they get out of school, and Marty and this little girl are heading home together, and they're talking about the woman that died, that how scary it was, and nobody knows what happened, and um, you get to see this girl, her name is Tammy. Very you, sweet young girl, too. Yeah, she's really nice, little cute blonde girl in a yeah. pink dress riding her bike. Yeah, she's a little cutie. And she even gives Marty a kiss on the cheek. But <laughs> her dad is standing on the porch yelling at her to come inside. And, and he's, he's definitely a drunk. He's a drunk. He's a jerk. He makes Abusive. a comment as she goes in the house and Marty is riding away on his mo- uh, motorcycle. Holy crap. His wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> as he's riding away on his wheelchair. Because it's like a electric, motorized. Yeah, electric wheelchair. Electric. And her dad makes some comment about how. All cripples end up on welfare anyway, so they should just electrocute him. Yeah. Like, he's making these comments like, Jesus Christ, my guy. <laughs> what in the it, world? He's just thoughtless. Okay, in comes Uncle Red. <laughs> Gary Busey. <sighs> Man, does he make an entrance too. So he shows up uh, to Marty's house and they end up playing cards. Mm-hmm. And it's the mom's brother. And the ma- his Marty's mom is annoyed she's like just annoyed that he's even there that he's drinking he's playing cards with marty she's drinking like, that wild turkey too tells him you know you're a bad influence <laughs> for him i don't want him to see you like this and piss on the indians piss on the yankees when he starts breaking out into that song and he's talking so about baseball mm-hmm. not a, a, a people oh my gosh i didn't even think about that <laughs> no 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 i'm definitely talking about mlb teams okay <laughs> They piss we, on the Indians, piss on the Yankees. Yeah, you right, Meg. You yeah, right. they're playing cards and they're betting baseball cards. Yes, as their their uh, their annies and stuff. They're instead of chips. So yes, my God, John is not like Andrew <laughs> no. Jackson over no, here. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh Lord! I can't anyway, be taking shots at my heritage. Good God. Okay, <laughs> you know when I first saw the movie, I didn't realize it was baseball. I said, "Why is he?" saying that and i i now know it's baseball cards but i was like jesus christ and everybody has a has a member in their family that's exactly like uncle red yeah everybody anyway um so that's your your first introduction introduction to uncle red um we get one more murder that happens before all like the whole town goes nuts and it happens to be tammy's dad where he's drunk hanging out in the house watching tv and he hears something out in like the barn area. The greenhouse is a greenhouse that's it right. a really big greenhouse 
he goes out there to check on it and surprise, surprise, he gets actually this one. Uh, the werewolf was hiding under the slats in the under greenhouse the and ends up busting up through the floor and pulling him under and killing him. So that was a that was cool. Interesting kill. If you ever want to watch a scene that really grabs you with the its look and feel, mm-hmm. that's a really good scene. I yeah. love that scene. At this point, the police put a curfew in place that everyone has to be home by 5 p.m., which mm-hmm. is insane. It's the springtime. But you got to also think, like, there's all these murders happening. I know, but, like, the sun's not even down yet. Murders. 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 Yeah, and no one knows who it is, what's going on. Uh, It goes to the, you get to look into the local bar where all the men are sitting around drinking, talking about how the police are worthless and they're just going to take matters into their own hands at this point. And then the deputy's had enough. (laughs) Yeah, the the deputy is sitting in the bar and he gets in their face like, shut up. And it's like, well, what are you guys doing? You're not doing anything. You don't have any leads. You don't have any um, suspects, nothing. Yeah, there's one known death, but two murders in the town. Mm-hmm. So bodies are stacking up. And the police tell them, we've got it under control. Just let us handle it. And you can tell the 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 men in the town are definitely like at at the end of their rope at this yeah. point. Like one more false move and they're going to snap. And obviously these people are in a bar. They're drinking. They're getting belligerent about stuff. But they're also scared. Yeah. Well, it's and... It's starting to become like this mob mentality about stuff. So they're at a, like a fever pitch, if you will, mm-hmm. with their anger. And they tell the cops if they can't get this under control, they're going to take care of it themselves. Unfortunately, that's what happens. Um because Marty and his friend Brady are out flying kites. Mm-hmm. Janie was made to go find Marty and tell him to come home for curfew. Um, Marty gets his kite, gets in his wheelchair and goes. And he asks Brady, like, are you going to come home? And Brady said, yeah, I'll leave in a little bit. And he ends up staying to fly his kite. Um, and then the police end up finding Brady's body later that night. because. The sheriff. Herb, Herb shows up to the bar asking if anyone had seen his son because mm-hmm. he never came home. Um, and they found his... Now they don't show the kid's body. The sheriff just comes in and he's just... He's got, got the bloody book. kite in his hand. It's uh, Brady's kite. Crazy visual, isn't it? Yeah, because the kite the is really a yellow smiley face kite. Mm-hmm. With blood. Just, just covered in blood. It. The and, sheriff in this makes that scene happen. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now everyone's lost their mind. They're they're ticked. They're going to get justice now. And it does go to... You get to see the town at Brady's funeral. And you can tell they're mad. And the reverend is speaking to them, trying to give them like some words of comfort and saying that... You know, evil will always be brought yeah. to light and the beast will... Justice will always prevail. Yeah. Um, and then he looks down. Yeah, the the <laughs> reverend is upset. And the thing is, it's... You can tell there's like something off about it, but everyone in the town's upset. It's Everybody just, starts looking at the reverend and pointing fingers at him. Well, not, not yet. This is the actual Dr- Brady's... No, this is Brady's funeral. funeral. Yes, because then when they leave, Marty is, he goes home with Uncle Red or Uncle Red takes Marty home. And on the way home, Marty suggests, he's like, I don't know, I think it might be 
a monster. I don't think it's a man. It'd be crazy. And his uncle's laughing at him. He's like, what kind of monster? He goes, oh, no, maybe like a werewolf. Why of all things did he say werewolf? I'll never know. But Just a wild imagination. He's a kid. I guess. Like, let's just get straight to the point. So his uncle, of course, thinks he's, you know, crazy. Like, no, it's just a psycho psycho dude out there killing people. We don't know why. Um, so, yeah, after the funeral, the townspeople are ticked. And they're in the bar. And they are getting ready to head out and start hunting this guy. Or this person, whoever's doing all the killings. Um and the police have lost control. They try to like... Yeah, mob mentality is, is starting to form. They try to tell these guys to stand down and they're like, you know, what you guys are doing is called private justice and it's illegal. You can't do that. Well, Brady's dad, Herb, happens to be in that crowd and he like confronts the police officer in this very... What are you doing about my boy? Yeah, this very tense moment where he's like, I'll tell you about private justice. My son is dead. And has this monologue where essentially he tells the the police officer like i'm yeah i'm going to get yeah i'm going to get revenge i'm going to find this guy myself um saw the men run out into the woods and go hunting Mm -hmm. for whoever this is because they always strike at night um one of the guys ends up stepping in a bear trap it's like awful and gross um they hear growling out in the woods uh-huh. and it starts picking all the guys off one by one. Okay. And there's actually a woman out there with them. I don't know why. Is this the part with the guy with the bat out in the He's fog? out there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Did we miss a part of this movie? What part? Has that happened where Marty and uncle red, where he gets the actual motorized wheelchair. That's like. Not yet. Oh, wow. Oh, you're, I don't think so. Uh, let me look through my notes really quick. Because honestly, I remember the part where he's like, they have that little get together. Mm-hmm. And Red's like the life of the party and he's not drinking. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it hasn't happened yet. It's wow. coming. Wow. Yeah. I had to look through my notes. I thought maybe I did, but no, it's coming up. Okay. So they're off in the fog, which yes. great tribute to John Carpenter here. Mm-hmm. And the men start getting picked off. Yeah. And they say it's under the fog. They can't see what it is. They just hear growling under the fog and they hear, and they see people getting dragged under. So the rest of the, the party like take off running and screaming, of course, because. And all these people that were you? really brave at one time, all of a sudden they're frightened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the guy that had the baseball bat, I, peacemaker, right? He said the peacemaker on yeah. the bat. Yeah. He gets beaten to death by obviously a furry arm with the <laughs> baseball bat, not bitten to death or nothing. Beat with a baseball bat. Yeah, we haven't seen this thing full on yet, but you can tell it's not human, whatever it is, attacking mm-hmm. these people. So now it cuts to another scene in the church where they're having a funeral for like all four or five people who died. Right. And, all, and, and honestly, the thing that beat the man to death, it definitely conditions. It had very nice, very nice hair. Oh, Lord. <laughs> anyway, they're having this funeral. Um, the The congregation is singing some hymn and they're like rocking back and forth. And then... He's they got the start, whole world in his hands? No. Oh. I don't know what they're saying. I can't remember. Uh, anyway, the the pastor, the reverend, he's trying to talk to the crowd and saying, like, I don't know 
what to say. Nothing's going to make you guys feel better at this point. And then Herb, Brady's dad, starts laughing and pointing at him and starts turning into a werewolf. And they all start sweating profusely. Everyone in the audience turns into a werewolf and starts attacking the Reverend, which it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, what happened? That took a turn. Well... The Reverend warned all of them, do not go out and do this. Stay in your homes. Yeah. Well, Reverend Lowe wakes up and you find out that was all a dream. Him being attacked in the church. And he was pouring sweat. Yes. Now, this is where it cuts to Marty and his family are driving around the town, which looks looks like a ghost town at this point. Right. They're headed home. Everyone's inside for curfew. And it's now it's the 4th of July. It's around 4th of July. And... They everything's been shut down. Yeah, they didn't get to have fireworks. They didn't get to do anything. So they're having a barbecue at their house. And Uncle Red takes him to the garage where he surprises him with a bag of fireworks. And he's like, "You, that's okay." This is like September. It's in September, actually. And Uncle Red is obviously eating way too much. (laughs) And he tells him, "You know, you're going to have your fireworks, even if it is September. I'm not going to let you not have fireworks." And then he tells him he has one more surprise for him. And he opens up the garage and he's made him like this super decked out and electric it, uh, wheelchair. Not even electric. It is gas powered. It's That's right. It's technically a dirt bike, mm-hmm. but it's a wheelchair. And it's super fast. He takes and, off on that Nicknamed the Silver Bullet. <laughs> it was really cool of him to do that. Like he designed it and everything. Like mm-hmm. Red for all his follies. He's a, he's a great uncle. Yeah. And he definitely cares about those kids. Well... He ends up going out. Marty goes out later that night. He sneaks out of the house, goes out to the bridge, and starts lighting his fireworks, which he should not have done. Um, Which it's crazy how he, like, is able to sneak out of his house. Right. Without use of his legs, he got off that pretty easy. Got some amazing upper body strength. Shimmied down the side of the house from the second floor. Mm Mm-hmm. So he goes out to the bridge and starts shooting off fireworks, which was dumb because it essentially made him a beacon. And the werewolf, this creature, if you will, catches the light, sees the fireworks and goes after it. And um, it catches Marty on the bridge and almost gets him. Marty sees it at the last moment, too. He sees the, uh, the this creature running towards him. And so he grabs one of his fireworks and lights it and shoots it off at the the werewolf. And it hits him in the eye. Perfect shot and puts his eye out. Mm-hmm. And now we do get to see what it is. Yeah. So Marty runs home, runs. He uses his <laughs> scoots to say it. I he hate scoots saying home. <laughs> he gets home and it's the middle of the night and he ends up calling Uncle Red to be like, I just saw a werewolf. And Red is like, please go to sleep. He's you had a drinking. nightmare. Yeah. He's like, you've, you've had a nightmare or something. Just go to bed. And he had some woman over. <laughs> so the next morning he's trying marty is telling janie about what happened and janie of course is also not believing him and he's like there's someone in this town yeah who's missing an eye if you can go around and see who who's got an eye patch or something on that's your person and for kids this is a really good plan they came up with they're doing a community bottle drive yeah and she she'll find out who it is on accident just by asking people for their empties yeah, she's going around asking for cans and bottles and being sneaky and checking out everybody's eyes while she's doing it. Even in the barber shop when the guy's getting a hot, hot towel put on his face? Yeah, she just walks up and takes a towel off his face and is like, oh, sorry. And puts Can it I back help on. you? <laughs> 
Anyway, she goes through pretty much the whole town. Everyone has both their eyes. And she's like, dang it, Marty, I don't know why I listened to you. And I think this is when the, the second narration comes in. Where she says, you know, she says something along the lines of Maybe. having trusted Marty. and um, I don't think it comes to Marty until they, the locket. I think that's okay. when she starts narrating again. Yeah, I don't remember at what point it is exactly, but we're getting close to it. So Janie takes all the bottles and stuff to the Reverend because the, they drop him off at the church. In and this humongous garage. That garage was so big. Yeah. And the reverend is out gardening and he's got his back to her and she tells him, hey, I, I've got all my cans and stuff. And he's like, OK, just drop them off in the garage. And then I'll fill out your paper. Yeah. And the camera pans over to him and he has one of his eyes patched up and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, shoot. <laughs> we we knew like I knew there was something weird about it. So Janie goes in to drop off the cans and. First, she gets scared by a mouse and it makes her fall back into the pile of cans. And when she's going to stand up, she puts her hand on something and realizes it's a baseball bat. And when she moves the cans around, it's the peacemaker, the baseball bat that the guy was beaten to death with. And so now she's like, oh, no. And she turns around and the reverend is standing behind her and he's like, is something wrong? And she sees that his eye's missing and she's like, um, I have to go home. And he tries to ask her if she wants to stick around for a soda. Yeah, or lay down in the parlor because she's like, I think I just need to lie down. He goes, oh, well, you can lay down here. And she's like, no. And then he offers to give her a ride home and she like <laughs> takes off running. So against her better judgment, judgment, yeah. she goes back to Marty and she's like, okay, I believe you. And they cook up this weird plan where Marty starts writing, um like almost ransom style notes with the cutout news, like newspapers and magazines saying, we know what you are. Just kill yourself. And they kept writing those to him. Yes. And they end up telling uncle red and he's like, Oh my God, why are you guys doing this? Like somebody's going to be out there. Well, one eye werewolf. Yeah. (laughs) I love Gary Busey in this movie. And they try giving him all the evidence they have. And he's like, you kids need to stop whatever you're doing. Like, leave him alone. What's he called? Hardy boys meet the werewolf? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) I don't have time to play that. So Marty, um, I don't know if it's a few days later. It could be a few weeks. I don't know. But Marty is watching a couple of kids play baseball. And you can tell he's sad. He can't play with them. He can't do things like that because of the wheelchair. And while he's having like this really sad moment, a car creeps up behind him and it's the reverend that's like being sneaky and watching marty gripping the steering wheel you can tell he hasn't shaved yeah and he ends up actually chasing marty down um i mean marty on his wheelchair it's super it's fast but yes he earlier in the movie it alludes to that he's not very good at keeping up with his wheelchair because he rolls in on E a lot to the gas station, has right. to fill up. Well, as he's running from the pastor, he realizes his wheelchair is on E. This is a really intense scene, too, because mm-hmm. the pastor does everything he can to flip it, to run it over, to bump it, just anything. Yeah, and he ends up running... Marty ends up uh, going to a covered bridge that was under construction mm-hmm. and boarded Closed up. off. Yeah, he rolls his wheelchair into it just as it dies, and the reverend walks up and walks onto the 
the bridge and starts walking toward him and telling him like, I wouldn't kill a a child um, willingly, but, Mm -hmm. you know, for the greater good, if I have to. (laughs) And that's when the past uh, reverend also admits that he killed the pregnant woman. He starts admitting all the people he killed. He's like, well, she was going to commit suicide. I saved her from the ultimate sin. It was adultery. She, this man, she caused that man to cheat on his wife. But he he said that, you know, I saved her from committing the ultimate sin of suicide. And as this is happening, Marty has no way to get away from him. His bike is dead. He can't he can't use his legs. He can't crawl away. And the reverend here is a totally different person. He's scary. His voice is way deeper. He is cussing. Mm -hmm. And he just has that crazed look in his eye. And he's getting real close to Marty, but then all of a sudden you hear uh, a tractor and there's a tractor outside the bridge and Marty, Marty ends screaming. up yeah, screaming for this guy. <laughs> and, and his voice is breaking. He turns off the tractor and he's like, oh, Marty, is that you? And he runs up to the bridge and the the reverend takes off and this guy ends up getting uh, Mr. Zimmer, Zimmerman or whatever the heck his name is. Yeah, close enough. Farm he, name. He ends up... Um, taking marty home with his bike and marty is talking to uncle red and janie again and he's like look this wasn't a werewolf if this was the reverend who was trying to kill me this time like for sure and red uncle red tells him you know i still don't like the idea but i believe it a lot more than a werewolf like i still have a hard time believing the reverend is out to get you and he's like, if you don't believe me, Uncle Red, go check my... Yeah, go to his garage. Yeah, you can find the, the baseball garage. bat. And he doesn't even have to do that. So... He, um, he checks the uh, motorbike. Mm-hmm. Well, what Uncle Red ends up doing, he's like, I will talk to the sheriff. So he goes to the sheriff and says, hey, can you just check out the Reverend... Marty says this happened. I know it sounds crazy. And the reverend or the past, the sheriff, (laughs) he's like, I guess. And he ends up going in the middle of the night. This couldn't wait. He goes in the middle of the night to see the reverend and um, ends up getting attacked and killed. Right. And so now the sheriff's missing and no one seems to really question except Marty. He's like, no one's seen the sheriff ever since he went to go talk to the reverend. So what do you think of that? This is a really crazy part because Red doesn't believe him at all until he asks Marty what color the car was. Mm-hmm. And he tells him blue. And there's just where the thing got bumped, there's blue paint on it. Yeah. So at this point, Marty tells his uncle, he's like, I want you to make a silver bullet out of my necklace. And Janie actually ends up giving her necklace to a, a crucifix. Locket, yeah. And... They're like, if you can make it into a silver bullet, we can kill him. <laughs> and, and Red is so hesitant. He, oh, are you sure? Yeah, he's like, I guess I'll do this, but I feel stupid. <laughs> so he goes and he has a silver bullet made, and he makes up a, a story to the gunsmith about why he's having it made. This is one of another one of my favorite parts of this movie. Uh, visually, it's great for storytelling, but it also shows you like fashioning for for a climax and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is where Janie comes back in and talks about it because she talks about how this guy's an old world style uh, craftsman. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So really close to the end at this point, she jumps back in. So this is only the second time we hear her narration. But um, 
<laughs> Uncle Red makes up the story about why he needs the, the silver bullies like my nephew. Big nephews. fan of Lone Ranger. He just really got into the Lone Ranger. <laughs> and Silver bullet. The guy just is like, he's looking down his glasses at him. He's like, you know what you could use this for? A werewolf. <laughs> and then he tells him after he completes it. I've never made one this perfect. Mm-hmm. Low tumble. And like... Uncle Red's really listening, leaning into All it. All right. And then he's like, well, it's just a gag gift. I'm not actually going to use it. Uh, but he's interested. He's listening to what he has to say. All right. And then this is the thing. It They say it's the next full moon. The next full moon was on Halloween. So we've gone all, all spring September. and summer into fall now. The Reverend, uh, they've realized that. They had to wait until he was at his strongest, which was the next full moon, which just happened to be on Halloween. Yeah, they said their best chance they think of killing him is waiting until he is fully a werewolf, no longer a man, shooting him, and that should kill him. Mm -hmm. So they come up with this plan. The next full moon is on Halloween. Uh, Uncle Uncle Red ends up getting Marty and Janie's parents out of the house by getting them a trip out of town. And... Uncle Red is staying at the house with them for the night. Watching movies and yeah. just doing stuff. They all fall asleep in the living room. They wake up in the middle of the night. It's like 3, 4 in the morning. And Red's like, look, nothing's happened. Nobody's here. Just go upstairs. Go to bed. Um, this was all... I feel stupid right now. I can't believe I actually did this. That nicely furred fist. <laughs> and just as they're saying that, Janie sees the werewolf in the window... And starts screaming, well, Uncle Red and Marty missed it. (laughs) And they're like, are you sure that's what you saw? Or it wasn't just like a cat or something. And while they're arguing back and forth, well, Uncle Red is arguing with Janie, it busts through through the house. Not yet. It pulls the power. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He cuts the power. Because Gary Busey's overreactions are hilarious. Every time he does the thing where he shakes, and he's like, Whoa. <laughs> about to give me a heart attack. So they, they cut the power. They're all waiting. And he's like, well, it could be like a possum or something. We don't know what it is. And then but the werewolf. No werewolf. Yeah. Right when he says that, it busts through the wall. And we have like this little montage of them fighting where he like the werewolf throws uncle red and then starts attacking Janie knocks the gun right out of his hand. Red gets up and jumps on the werewolf and starts attacking him. So he'll get off of Janie. All this is happening. And when the, they fumble the gun and the bullet pops out of the gun Mm -hmm. and it falls into a vent and Marty is trying to dig in the vent to get this bullet back. He's the only one that still has baby hands. Yeah. And the werewolf is on top of Red. It's not looking good. It's about to be the end. <laughs> no, he's hitting him with all these crazy wrestling moves. He hits him with a. He tosses him through cabinets and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Marty was able to get his hand into the vent, though. Get the bullet. He grabs the gun, loads it, and mm-hmm. shoots it right into the werewolf's other eye. Yeah, from the sitting position. Yeah, and ends up uh, killing the werewolf. He falls back and has this really gross de-transformation back into a man where you get to see that it's really the reverend. Actually, that's one of the best effects in that movie was the transformation back to a man. Mm -hmm. I actually really like that. And then Marty makes a joke about his legs when they ask if he's all right. And he's like, yeah, I just, 
I don't think I'll be able to walk again. And there's like, ha, 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 freeze frame. (laughs) (laughs) But right before the freeze frame, it goes back to Janie narrating. And she says that uh, he tells her he loves her. And she says, I love you too. And her narration older self is saying you know i was i wasn't always able to say that to him but Mm -hmm. then it ends with her saying i love you too marty good night and i don't know if that this was like a love letter to marty or what the significance talking at his funeral or yeah what the significance of that was i kind of thought of it as he died like marty has passed at this point for whatever reason but good we don't know why and that's the end of the movie I'm a fan. Yeah. It's pretty good. It wasn't bad, honestly. I I hadn't I only watched it when we got together, of course. I can't remember you when really it didn't was. I didn't know about it. I think I've I've watched it since I've been young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't know about it until but like gotta, the last ten years. Right. And you gotta think who who I grew up with. Like my parents loved the Universal Monsters and stuff like that, so I was bound to watch a werewolf movie as a kid. All right. Well, let's cover some trivia, shall we? Hit me with it. So you had already mentioned this earlier. Uh, Originally, Don Coscarelli of Phantasm. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's fine. He was set to direct it, but this says that eventually he left due to conflict and creative differences. So I don't know if any of his stuff is kept in it or... He's mentioned really heavily as being uncredited. Okay. Well, he quit. I just don't know how soon into right. it he quit, you know. All right. So there's a, there's actually a lot of reference in this movie to the beast of, God help me, it's like French Caligari? or something. Huh? Caligari? No. Uh, Gavadon? I, I, butch- I butchered that. I don't know. It's French. It's okay. Um, anyway, it's... One of the most famous werewolf stories, which also has the, it's the original, uh, it's the beginning of the silver bullet myth is what this is. So with the necklaces and stuff, that's, it kind of pulls references from that original werewolf story. That's awesome. All right. Stephen King's source novel originally began as just a calendar, and it reads more like a chronicle of short stories involving werewolf attacks instead of like uh, a seamless book. Mm. So if you've ever read Cycles of the Werewolf. Yeah. Almost like diary entries, calendar entries. It's weird. That's unique. Mm-hmm. It does. It, it does go by season, too. Which makes it why the why the book is so short, because right. at, I can't. I didn't write down when this article was written, Makes but more they sense said for the narration too. at this point it was his shortest novel, which originally that place was held by Carrie as his shortest novel, but mm-hmm. this is now his shortest novel. So a lot of the movie was shot in Burga, North Carolina, Bur- Bur- I guess. I don't know how to say that. North Carolina. Oh, that's also where I know what you did last summer and under the dome was filmed. Huh? Exciting. I would never guess this movie was shot in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know where I was actually thinking it was shot? Where? Somewhere in the actual Midwest. Oh. Nope. It says that it has a perfect small American town vibe. Yeah. Well, he is a main guy, so. Yeah. All right. In the original draft of the screenplay, the werewolf actually had speaking lines. What? Yeah. 
I don't know you what he was. You little shit. <laughs> right? I don't know what he would have said. Um, and speaking of the werewolf, the werewolf suit was uh, a big point of contention in yeah, this movie. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, per- they actually began production on the movie before the suit was even finished. And even what? yeah, even I didn't know that. when they finished the werewolf suit, he was not happy with it. Laurentis was not. I'll be honest with you. I actually think them doing it like a Jaws movie mm-hmm. made it better. Well, and that's they filmed it dark, just uh, the parts with the werewolf, so you couldn't see the entirety of it. And you never saw the actual wolf. Which, I mean, there's probably a couple of reasons for that. Probably because Laurentis didn't like how it looked, but because it left some imagination, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Theater of the mind. I've said this before. But he kind of thought that it looked more like a bear. Honestly, it kind of does. Like it that does. final conflict. When you finally see it in full view, it looks more like a just a black bear or a brown bear. It does, kind of. All right, so where the bar that all the guys hang out at is uh-huh. Owen's Bar. It's named after Stephen King's son, who was a child at the time the movie was made. Oh. And actually, it's not... I had a couple different websites I used to get trivia, but Stephen King's son, Owen, became... No, it wasn't Owen. I'm sorry. It was um, Gary Busey's son does he have a son gary busey yeah jake busey yes jake and Corey Haim were really good friends they're actually six months apart in age mm-hmm. so jake would come onto the set and hang out with Corey, and they became really close during the filming of this that's cool him and his big teeth too mm-hmm. uh he said that i was gonna i had a a, a quote from him but Anyway, he said, we hit it off really well. I remember watching him work and thinking we were skateboarding together. We're fishing together. And now we're on the beaches of North Carolina. We're doing whatever, whatever (laughs) 13 year olds do. Yet I was on the sidelines watching him and my dad acting. And remember thinking I could do this. (laughs) He's pretty cool for being that young. Yeah. So yeah, they became good friends over this. I, I don't doubt it. All right. Um, yeah, Stephen King is the one who insisted that the the werewolf kind of be shot in a shadowy type yeah. setting just to keep... Um, and Stephen King's a huge fan of Jaws. Yeah, he said he didn't, he didn't want it as visible and monstrous as other werewolf movies. He mm-hmm. wanted to be a little scarier. Um, let's see. I'll get a couple more because I know we're kind of running on time here, but... Uh, according to Gary Busey, he says he performed all of his own stunts. I don't know if that's true or not. What? Uh, that's what it's, he says. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> I know. It's hard because he's that crazy. I mean, he told the Snapple to shut up. <laughs> also, a lot of his lines were ad-libbed with Stephen King's blessings. I believe that. Uh, especially the part in the, um, when he goes to see the gunsmith and he's talking about the Lone Ranger. Pretty much all of that is ad-libbed. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I think it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pick a couple more things. It's sad what Gary Busey became. He was a really good actor before his accident. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the scene where the werewolf breaks through the wall, Gary Busey's uh, reaction was actually genuine because they hadn't rehearsed the scene. That's If you're going to shoot it, that's how you shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And filming for the movie completed in December of 1984, but it was discovered that there were several continuity errors in the fireworks scene, so they had to go back for reshoots in the spring of 1985, except the foliage looked a lot different than it did in December, so they were only able to use close-up shots. Mm. So that whole fireworks scene is like Frankenstein from different different uh, like times of day. That's nice. Yeah. Um, quite I don't a bit know. of things that happened in this movie. I know Corey Haim uh, was kind of nervous about doing this movie because he didn't know how it could work with him being. <laughs> he wanted to be in a Stephen King movie. I can understand that, but I don't think he wanted to be in a horror movie. Yeah, I see that. Um, but then again, he did Lost Boys. That's vampires, but I get it's a uh... still horror. It is. It is. It's just been romanticized. Well, werewolves have too. Yeah. Well, I will... I'll just leave it at that. What? Oh, that... Do you want that to be... I can give you one more, I guess. Yeah, I'll give, give you one, one more piece of trivia. Uh, 1985 also had another Stephen King adaption that came out. Do you know what it was? 1985? Mm-hmm. Cat's Eye? It was Cat's Eye. They came wow, out the same year. Wow, shot in the dark and I got that right. <laughs> yeah, they came out the same year. Both movies were marketed the first time that King wrote the screenplay himself, adapting his own work. And he had previously written a screenplay for The Shining, but his version was completely thrown out by Stanley Kubrick. So mm. it didn't come out till later. But, uh, real talk, Cat's Eye's another good one. Mm-hmm. Three parts, three different stories. Great movie. Yeah. So that's it. I'll leave it off on thing? that. Huh? You ready to rank this thing? Oh, yeah, I guess. Shoot. I don't know what I thought. Early. I see what you're doing. I'm trying to punch you out. No, I'm not. Okay. We'll rate it first on the rewatch of it. Rewatch. Solid four. I want to go higher. Anytime I want to watch a good like movie, just... I can watch this in the summer. I can watch it in the fall. This movie never gets old. Um, I'm going to give it a... Uh... And it's Stephen King, so. It's okay. I'm going to give it a three. I'm such like a, God, I hate always falling in the middle like that, but it's true. It's just one of those movies that's like, meh, I don't really think about it. I'll watch it, but I don't think about it. I think this is my favorite werewolf movie. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. It's, and people are going to really dog me about this, but it's either this or Teen Wolf. I would say you're going to put that over Teen Wolf? They're neck and neck. There come a time when I have to rank movies, and I, those well, two are going to be. Well, one the is top. horror and one is lighthearted, so it's like right. I love the Howling too, and American Werewolf. American, in London. yeah. Okay, well, the next thing we're going to rate it on is the look and feel. Look and feel. Uh, no, the legacy. What am I? Legacy. Yeah, uh, it's another <laughs> Stephen King movie that people continue to watch because I think his legacy will just keep continuing. It's hard to say. Stephen King, just in general, yes. But as far, like, this movie specifically, meh. I don't think it has much. I think it it has enough. I'm going to give it a three. I'll give it a two. Just, I don't know. Just because it has Stephen King's name tied to it, but I don't think this specific movie did much going forward. No, but it also came out against a ton of big movies. Then the next thing we're going to rate it on is look and feel. So sorry. Look and feel. Uh, it's like the music, the casting. Music. 
I did like the music. I liked mm-hmm. how it was lighthearted and then it would throw in like the scary violins and stuff on top of yeah. while the happy music's playing. Kind of gave me Amityville vibes. Kind of. So, kind of. And we love Amityville. Like how it's got the little kids singing almost like a, a nursery rhyme and then the comes out on top of it. Scary. Like I it. I really like your definition. I like that you <laughs> used your hands like Michael Keaton. I wish you guys could see me doing like <laughs> hand puppets here. Um, um, the look of it. It top looks notch. right for the time. It's, yeah, it's set in the 70s. So, I, it looks like a 70s movie. Yeah. Uh, casting was great. Legit. I feel like it was it did really well. Even the, the smaller characters like Herb. Um, just even though he didn't have a big part, the parts that he did have part. were very emotional. Yes. And I got to say, Gary Busey's really good. He's really good at playing that uncle part. Yeah. Uh, Corey Feldman's very believable in his Corey Haim. Or who did I say? Feldman. Feldman. <laughs> Sorry, the two Corys. You can't say one without the other. <laughs> Corey Haim, very believable in this movie. I'll uh, give it. Janie, it was really good. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a. I'll give it a five. I was also. I was going to give it a 4.5, but I'll give it a five. Just because I went so low on the legacy and yeah. <laughs> the rewatch. So overall, I'll give this movie a. I'll give it a four. I'll give it a three and a half. Okay. That's fair. We've been really close the last few ones we've done. Have you noticed that? Yeah. I think me and you are really starting to starting to catch our, our little stride our here. Our stride? Well, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the next one. Are you going to ruin it? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. But we will give you a sneak peek. So stick oh, around. Sneaky peeky. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Next week on the Retro Club. Billy's still a bad guy's name. Yeah, Billy's a good guy's name too. It you, depends. You watch on, Power Rangers. I say you were gonna say Power Rangers, which it's look at all these. We need to do like uh, six degrees of separation here because you were gonna say Power Rangers, which makes me think of the new Power Rangers, uh-huh. which the guy who uh, in, plays Billy is also Billy and Billy and Stranger Things. So he's Good and bad Billy. <laughs> he's he's double Billy. That's that's bad. I don't know. So it's it's William. And oh, and let's not forget baby Billy from uh, Righteous Gemstones. Oh no, <laughs> he's a tweener too. No, he's, he's not. A bad, he's a bad guy and a good guy. I. He has the Lord on his side, but he's a total asshole. You say he has the Lord on his side? Yeah. <laughs> that's really what you said. Yes, that's what the show's about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you actually said that. <laughs> oh man. Voila. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably Oh, if only we could talk about righteous gemstones. We will. Y'all aren't ready for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. All his guilty stains. <laughs> Butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Butterflies. Such a good show. Return. No wait. Butterflies that Cater- come from caterpillar. I don't know. Yeah. Either way, it's it's hilarious. Mixing and music by Kelsey Ingram. Cover art is by Megan Harris. Research is by John and Megan Harris. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Slasher at Retro Club Pod. Or visit our website at retroclubpod.com for episode information and more. You can listen to The Retro Club on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast, and more.
Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe, or we'll find you.